Welcome in to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. It's Friday, October 14th. I'm your host, Kyle Borgoni, and I'm joined, as always, by Matthew. We're tied up bets. One-to-one, Phillies and Braves. Yeah, that was a a pretty predictable Phillies loss. Braves, dude, hadn't lost two games back-to-back at home since April, so I should have bet it. I should have just happiness hedged, bet the the Braves, because I knew it was going to be a 1-1 series. Headed to Philly tonight. Citizens Bank Park. It should be rocking. Uh, but this is not a baseball podcast, Kyle. We're talking football today. Oh, I thought we were talking hockey because that's kind of where we transitioned at this point of the year. I, I will say this. Our friendship, getting to do this podcast together, sometimes we pinch ourselves and say, hey, we get to talk about football and sports for a living while my wife is doing 19 different parent-teacher conferences as we speak. So I've got a tough life. She's the real MVP, let's be honest. Our, our wives kind of have shown out recently, and they're, they're dragging us along, just our, our little corpse of you and I just talking about our little fake football lives. But if you're listening, we are super glad that you're with us. We've got a great show. We're going to be talking about our cash picks, which, man, last week we were running hot, and uh, some games we want to stack. We'll even debut a segment that in 2022, it's gone, but the people have asked for it. And by the people, you reminded me that we used to have this segment, and we brought it back, our Slate Breakers. I mean, that, Oh, yes, sir. We have so many different people that are trying to get that sponsorship deal of the Slate Breakers. I mean, last year, we had Huggies Diapers. We had every single sponsor you could think of that we made up on the spot that was vying for that time. Who knows what the sponsor will be today? We'll find out. It should be good. If you want to get all of our picks, once again, we always mention the DFS pass at the top because we think it is an insanely good deal on our site. It's live, dfspass.com. If you use the promo code DFSPOD, you can save yourself some quiche. And unlike a lot of other sites, ours is just one time only, and we have so many listeners that every single week say, hey, this pays for itself over the weekend. I got to play some cash, learn how to play the right way. And you know what? We have those tournaments, too, that you can come and steal our money. So, in other words, you're basically getting your own money back by beating us up in the DK lobby. I mean, are we even making friends here? Are are people just taking advantage of us? I mean, when you crunch the numbers, I think we're just giving this thing away for free. (laughs) Here's the advice. Here's the contest. We're playing. Come beat us. And you have a free product. So, terrible marketing strategy, terrible business plan. But, hey, we love it. And you get friendship with us i mean what could be better and a community over at discord which that channel we got to post this morning some props that we're into so you can go to dfspass.com if you want to be a part of that but we're going to talk about our cash picks straight cash homie the backbone of this show bets is our cash picks i mean some people think that cash is dead that we should only be looking at GPPs. If you're one of those players this year, I'm really sorry, but contrarian GPP players have probably lost a ton of money this year. So we we still think that playing the right contest, so for cash, we're talking about double-ups, talking about head-to-heads, 
you and I would say that there's still, you know, a lot of room to be good in this, and we'll answer some mailbag questions later. But I mean, let's just be really clear with people. When we're talking about double ups or 50-50s, what types of contests? Because I had some people last week, they're like, I was in a double up, I had a good lineup. We're looking at the large field double up single entry, right? Yeah, those are the ones I play every single week. You know, it's the they have anything from two dollars to if you want to go up to a hundred bucks or even more. But basically, the ones that are just single entry, you know, two, five, ten, twenty-five bucks double ups. You're not going to win a million bucks doing this, but it's an easy way to build bankroll because when you play in lower stake stuff, you're going to see people making mistakes all over the place. And I always tell people too, I play a lot in the single entry double ups because in the multi entry ones, the ones that you can enter one fifty or 20 lineups, you're going to play against the best cash players in the world. So single entry double ups, if you've been struggling with cash, simplify the process this week. I play in those contests every single week. Uh, yeah, I, I, you can find me in those. And one of my favorite ones to gauge that I put in my article is the $25 massive double up. It's, it's something that you and I would say is just really easy. That's kind of for some people, you play the $5 one, $10 ones, $25 ones, the one that I use to gauge is what, six, 7,000 people in that. So this week, it's the same story. I'm paying up for Josh Allen, and I'm assuming you're paying up for Josh Allen. I mean, I can't imagine not doing it. You know, it's like every week he's the same price. We're entering the point in the DFS pass where I just am copying and pasting what I wrote the week before because he's been so good. And they're not moving his price, which is the best part about it. So yeah, I mean, he's a priority on the slate. Clearly, when you think about game environment against the Chiefs, team total, pass rate, all those things. He just checks the boxes. So yeah, there's other guys that I think are in play. Like if you want to go down and save money with Gino at 5.7, it's not the worst idea in the world. But for me personally, I'll be finding a way to play Josh Allen this week. You and I will talk about that Arizona-Seattle game because both those quarterbacks, I think we like in tournaments, Kyler and Gino, to get different. We'll also have to talk about the strategy of the afternoon slate because we have this Kansas City-Buffalo game that we know is going to be the most popular and then this Arizona-Seattle game, which might be pushed back even further because of baseball. I mean, guys, come on. Baseball is a big part of what we do here. So that's an interesting conversation. That, but we love Josh Allen. We love the volume. We'll detail that game in just a second. On FanDuel, I have Josh Allen as well. It's a little bit more expensive, but the pricing is what it is. At 9200 on FanDuel, you can't do wrong with Josh Allen. So I don't know, like in, in double-ups, in 50-50s, Last week, he was like 26%. What do you think Josh Allen's going to be this week in cash? I mean, quarterbacks, yeah, quarterbacks generally are a little more spread out, even in cash. You know, last week we saw like Leonard Fournette reach 50, 60% in cash, and Josh Allen and Tom Brady were kind of split. But you're going to see Josh Allen 30, 40%. Right. You know, the, the game environment on the slate, everyone loves this game for good reason. Buffalo and Kansas City, we saw the playoffs last year, went for a million points. You know, it's going to happen again. We think, um, but yes, he's going to be popular. I don't think you get cute. Don't think twice about it. He is the best player on the slate. Speaking of popular players, right now we have Ramondre Stevenson in tournaments. So we're not even talking about cash. Like thirty-five, forty percent is where he's showing up, and we'll see on the roster percentage report. But in cash, I'm just going to say it right now. I bet Ramondre Stevenson will be eighty percent. Yeah, he is going to be. But what stat do you want, Kyle? Like, <laughs> it is insane the matchup against Cleveland. 28th in rush yards allowed, 32nd in EPA per rush, 32nd in DVOA, 31st in explosive rush rate allowed, 31st in yards per carry, and 31st in rushing touchdowns allowed. 
I cannot imagine not playing Ramondre Stevenson in cash to the 20% out of you of you out there not doing it. I think it's a mistake. He is, I think, the free square this week at the running back position. We'll talk later. I think in tournaments, I want to bring up like, okay, what does he have to do to fail? And what else can you do in terms of pivoting? Because there's a lot of other running backs at that price point that will have much lower roster percentages. But yes, Ramondre is locked in both of our lineups. It probably, you know, that probably means he's probably going to go for like 10 points. Oh, I can't wait. You know, it happens like twice or you know three times and a year. Running backs were were better at projecting, but it still happens. You know, and there's going to be one or two of them on the slate where you just scratch your head and say, "What the heck happened here?" So, yeah, I can't wait for Tuesday when we talk about Ramondre's ten points. It'll be fun. There's no reason to fade him. I also just I'm feeling pretty good about this. Two weeks ago, I traded for him in both of my home leagues, so I have him starting right Ramondre. I've done it the last two weeks, and it's feeling pretty good right now. So at 6K, he's going to be popular. Ken Walker, I think, is also going to be popular. He's got to figure out his name because, depending on the site, he always breaks their system. It's Kenneth Walker on the official Seahawks website, so I'm going to go with that. Uh, but at 5.4 against Arizona, I could see him being, I don't know, third or fourth, like top top three or four most popular running backs. Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, at, at least top five for sure. Right now, I would consider that Eno Benjamin is going to be in a ton of lineups as well. James Conner's still not practicing. It's trending as if Eno's going to be the free square at 4,600, and I'm prioritizing him over Walker. I would too, especially when you consider you're saving a bunch of money to go down uh, to him. I think they're both great plays. I think when you think about price, you know, he's totally fine. I was never like a huge Eno guy in like Dynasty and stuff, but I was actually looking today at like some of the PFF efficiency metrics. He's actually been pretty good whenever he's had an opportunity. I mean, we know he can catch the football too. Cliff, when they're getting close, he wants to run the ball. So it makes sense. Again, don't get cute in cash. If James Conner is out, I think you just take the free square. You play Eno at 4.6K. It's a different conversation in tournaments, but for cash, I think he's a great play. Don't forget, Betts, there was once a time in my best ball life where I wrote an entire article. Yes, you did. Devoted to Eno. It's called the Eno Benjamin Principle. And it was because he had scored like zero points, but he was a good best ball win rate player. Go check it out. It's a fun read if you're sitting on the toilet. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of builds this week are going to be three running backs. I think people are going to spend down with Ramondre and Eno and Walker. They're going to have at least two of those. And then they're probably going to fit in another guy. We talked about Saquon on Tuesday. I think Alvin Kamara is still underpriced at 6.7. We got to kind of monitor, monitor the practice reports for... Uh, the Saints. I like Brees Hall at 5.8. Do you have any lean on builds of what you're preferring or I don't know. What do you think? Like, I, I feel like you can't go wrong with these guys. No, they're all really good plays. And obviously they're very price. You know, they're, they're different in price. Like Brees Hall at 5.8 and Saquon at 7.7. It's a completely different conversation because of what they cost. I do think three running back builds feel right this week because of how many good plays there are from a median projection standpoint. And a lot of these guys, you can project for 16 to 20 touches, you know, combined rushing and receiving. So they're all really strong. I think, though, for me, when I go down to wide receivers, and maybe we can come back to running backs if you want to, but at wide receivers, I think Stefan Diggs is an absolute priority on this slate for cash. I mean, Kansas City just getting absolutely torched by opposing wide receiver ones, 31st in DVOA against wide receiver ones. And I know it was Gabe Davis that stole the show last week, but Seth Diggs still had eight catches over 100 yards and a touchdown. Like everyone talked about Davis. They didn't talk about Diggs. He's been incredible. This game environment, I'm trying to figure out how to get Diggs in my lineup. And obviously, if you do that, it's tough to fit 
you know, Saquon. It's tough to fit McCaffrey. So I think my lean right now is to get up to Diggs. And if you want to play with your running backs, come down to Kamara or come come down to Brees Hall. I can't argue with Steph Diggs. I didn't play him last week. I played him two weeks before in cash. He's always in consideration. Is it one of those things where if you're stacking Allen and Diggs, that's eating up so much salary that if you don't have room for Diggs, at least you're going to have Allen in there and just believe the production's coming there? Yeah, I think if you're only able to fit one, which again, I have a lineup right now that I, I am fitting two, but if you can only fit one, to me, it's you play Josh Allen and it's because of the fact that we just are, it's less volatile at quarterback than it is at wide receiver. Diggs can come out and give us an air ball. I mean, any wide receiver can do that in any slate, but he looks incredible. And yeah, you could get a lot of access to his points through Josh Allen. So if you can only play a one, it is Allen for me. That said, I am going to be trying like crazy to fit both. I came on this podcast to declare that I really, really, really want to play Mike Evans in cash. I knew that Chris Godwin was already a good play at 6.1. Evans at 7, and then on FanDuel at 7.7. He's a great play, I think. But when you showed me that picture today of Tom Brady wearing that Chris Godwin shirt, our boy Rod Christopher Godwin, I, it's just I, I can save $900 here. I mean, that's this, this is what you come to the podcast for is us figuring these little inside edges out of how we're going to project these players. Tell me another quarterback wearing their wide receiver's face on their T-shirt at the Thursday press conference. You can't. Tom Brady's wearing Chris Godwin. And if we go back to last week, Godwin quietly didn't really play his full allotment of snaps and routes. Maybe they're just easing him back in from the hamstring. So you can project more Chris Godwin in this spot, dream spot against the, the Steelers. So combine the T-shirt narrative with the on-field uh, metrics and talent of Godwin. Absolutely love him in cash. But a little spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about Mike Evans later in the show. I mean, the thing about Tom Brady, on the main show, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. There was a big T-shirt story then when he showed up to practice in just a t-shirt. Now, I didn't get visual evidence of what that t-shirt was. Was it that Chris Godwin shirt? I don't know. But Maybe. Yeah, the only thing we could conclude is that he was just wearing a t-shirt, that he was Donald Duck, and he was Pooh Baron, as the kids say. <laughs> and, but I like both those wide receivers. I'm going to be playing a Tampa Bay wide receiver this week against Pittsburgh. Are you in the same boat? Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah. Matchup's great. They've given up a ton of wide receiver yards and deep targets, too. So it's a great spot. Right now, I don't have a punt play that I'm like, I feel super comfortable in. It's kind of like, I, I think builds are going to have, you know, a couple people in the mid range, including Tyrell Lockett. We've talked about on Tuesday. It's a joke that on DraftKings, they didn't move his price after going for 30 plus points. Somebody at DraftKings has lost their job because they didn't do the one thing they were supposed to do, which was to check on Tyrell Lockett's salary. So at 5.6, he's been in there since Tuesday. He's in there for you, right? Yeah. I mean, you just look at his last four performances. He's been awesome. Great environment. The Cardinals are a secondary. We talk about every week. It just, it makes too much sense. Now, I think, again, we'll talk about that game from a GPP standpoint because he's projecting as the most popular wide receiver play on the slate. So just know he will push 40, 50% in cash. People have asked us for that information. He will push for that. You know, in tournaments, I could see him coming in around 25 to 30%. So just understand that is the case. But on paper, it's a great play. Christian Kirk is a name on here that I think a lot of people are just tired of the last two weeks. Like, it looked so strong the first three. And then Jacksonville has just been a booty team. Just really, really bad. Uh, I mentioned this stat earlier, but on Football Outsiders variance metric, 
which kind of shows week-to-week performance. Jacksonville's dead last. Like, last week, they were a seven-point favorite. They lost by seven to the Houston Texans. They Woof. They looked awesome against the Chargers three weeks ago on the road, and you just don't know what you're going to get week-to-week. But we love his matchup, and we saw him in week two against the Colts go six for 78-2. and two. He's in my pool, but I need a little push. Are you saying I need to play him? Stole, I mean, we also had like a lot today, guarantee. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> he he is not a priority. If I have to pick one of these two in the five, you know, half range, like lock it to me is the play. But both I think are good if you're going for a balanced build. We also had Doug Peterson come out today and say, you know, Christian Kirk is a guy that needs volume. I don't know how that happened last week, and that happens every week with coaches. They're in, in charge, and they're still like, I don't know how that happened. You decide that, Doug Peterson. But you have that narrative going too. Like you said, we saw him have success in this matchup earlier in the year. And when you look at just how teams are beating the Colts, Indy number two in run defense DVOA, they've been great. And they're 21st against the pass. So you would think path of least resistance is through Christian Kirk in this spot. So on paper, he's a decent decent play at 5.8. I think he's pretty good. So those kind of coach speak things in the offseason, I don't pay attention to. It's actually gone pretty well week to week when they said we need to get this player more involved. If you just look at some of the quotes, I'll pull them up later. But like when Kyler said we need to start targeting Hollywood Brown, they started doing it nonstop. When the Jets said, hey, I think Brees Hall's the guy. We need to feed him. Like he was the guy. So there's been a lot of examples of that. I'm probably going to have a Tampa Bay wide receiver, lock it, and then figure out one other piece. I'll throw out Rondell Moore at 4.2. He's cheap enough. He saw targets that weren't just like right at the line of scrimmage last week, and we love that game. So Rondale's fine. I don't love it. I Yeah, that's the thing. It's just right now, and, and this is, again, is kind of the tricky part with when the podcast comes out, because things will change Saturday and Sunday. And that's what happened last week with Khalil Shakir. So monitor the DFS pass. Monitor what's happening in the news. We need a punt wide receiver, I think, to come into play for this this week. Unfortunately, right now, Rondale Moore is the best we got. And as you're saying, you know, you just know what he is. And if he comes out for like five for 50... It's fine, but I he, to me, I'd be surprised if he comes out and goes for over 100 yards on a touchdown. I just that's in his 90th percentile range of outcomes. It's just not the type of player he is. So that's what you're getting. But again, it is salary. You could do worse for sure. With the savings at running back this week, you can pay up for a stud like Diggs. I'm also finding that in my builds, I have room for a Tyreek or a Debo Samuel that are right there in that range. So I. I I haven't finalized it yet, but I think you can't go wrong really in this mid-range for wide receiver and because running backs were getting to spend down a little bit in tournaments. We'll talk about that. There is a punt play at tight end I mentioned on Tuesday, but practice reports haven't been great with our boy Zach Gentry, who also hasn't been participating on Wednesday. If he's available, I am interested because he's 2,600 and he saw six targets last week. So he's the punt play. Kate Otten looked better earlier in the week, but it seems like Cam Brate's going to come back. He's 2.9. Are, are you interested in Otten anymore? I don't think you can really go there unless we have Cam Brate news. I mean, there was also something from um, Rick Stroud, who covers the team, saying that he still thinks Kate Otten's going to be part of the offense, even when Brate's back. But it's just, I don't think in cash you can go there. We don't know. I mean, in a couple of weeks, you could be saying Kate Otten overtook Cam Brate, and he's the guy now. That's possible, but I don't think you can go there if Brate's active this week in cash. 
little uh, hand in the dirt take right here. Uh, Kate Otten was actually a pretty good prospect coming into the draft, slipped the fourth round, but uh, out of Washington, that guy had a lot, lot, lot to show. Oh yeah, you like the tape? I actually did. I, I he <laughs> he slipped, and I have him in a dynasty league. That I was like, hey, him and Bellinger were two tight ends, and I'm like, sweet, there's going to be opportunity. I don't mind it at all. But yeah, he came into the draft like. It wouldn't have shocked me if he was the third tight end behind Dulcich and McBride, but uh, he slipped a little bit further. But and anyway, you, you were pretty good overall in the last couple of years of like finding those gems later in the draft. Not to go to to football t- guy take here and dynasty bro, but I remember all offseason you were like, dude, check out Romeo Dobbs, check out Romeo Dobbs, and I was like, this kid out of Nevada, like, you know, not even going to go in the first three or four rounds. Like, why would I bother? Look at us now, Kyle. Look at us now playing Romeo Dobbs and getting them on all of our season-long leagues and best ball. So shout-out to you. You're you're good at that. I am not. I mean, I liked Eno Benjamin before it was cool. Yeah, true. I mean, okay, I've had a couple of good takes in my life. Let's just put it that way. Just uh, a few. I won't tell you the bad ones. Terrace Marshall Jr. is just... Oh, gosh. I could not be more in debt in my <laughs> bank account from Terrace Marshall and Dynasty and whatever. Gosh, he could have been great. Freaking Matt rule. All right. Give me a couple other tight ends that you're looking to play. Like, are you looking at Mark Andrews at 7K? He is, he's a wide receiver is what people need to realize, you know, so it's kind of scary to play a 7K tight end. But when you think about him relative to wide receivers, you could say he's underpriced because he is the wide receiver one and Rashad Bateman still looks like he's not going to play this week. So if you want to spend up and get your build that way, I prefer him over Kelsey if you're going to spend up. But that said, you know, there's guys that I would much prefer to play. I'd much rather get up to Diggs. We talked about Josh Allen. So it's tough to fit all those guys, but he's in play. He's in your pool. And I'm going to probably play at least one or two GPP lineups with him. So he's great. I'll throw out two Tyler Higby. I mean, it's just you copy and paste every week. He's getting eight, nine, 10 targets each week. He's the second read behind Cooper Cup. Allen Robinson is out there running routes, all team first cardio. So, yeah, you can go there. 4.6K against Carolina. He is so boring. Like, that is the most boring. Yeah, it's a bland, boring play. He's a cash play, man. That's what that's what this is. Gosh, you're right. I, I love Andrews. I looked up a stat earlier about what he does against man coverage. The dude is a wide receiver. We've been saying that, and you said that, and I've said it all over Twitter. So, I don't know. I'm I'm at this point now where I don't love the other tight end plays. I'm not going to be playing Kelsey and cash. I think I might play Andrews. It's either Andrews or all the way down to Gentry. And then we mentioned Ertz is in a great spot against Seattle. That might be something more for GPPs if you want to go that route. But let's finish with defense because they're boring too this week. I'm really sorry, people. I want to be motivated. I'm motivated for the rest of the show, but I hate the defenses this week. So quickly <laughs> give them to me. I just I hate DraftKings for giving us no one under 2.4. Like You have no option. That is the cheapest this week. And I always like to save money if I can in cash. And for me, it's Carolina. You know, we talked about the <laughs> the Brent Burns blunder on Tuesday show. Great for me. hockey player. <laughs> but the point remains, you know, Carolina has talent on defense on the, the front seven. And the Rams offensive line is just atrocious. Bottom 10 in pass block win rate. They're dead last in yards per play. They've been just so bad. So you can do worse than Carolina at 2.4 in cash. I don't mind the Saints at 2.8 at home. I don't mind if you really just was said, hey, you know what? I I want to lock it in. I don't want this volatility. Give me the Rams. They're way too expensive, though. I'm going to be playing Carolina. That's i just going to save. It. Same. I don't even care if they get me zero. Just do it. 
It's fine. It's totally fine. All right, before we talk about the games we like, let's take a quick break. Bets, the slate this week is pretty afternoon heavy. Like, to the point of, I I don't really know how to build in GPPs without thinking about those two games. So, do you feel like people... Because we the contrarian players haven't done super well this year. The chalk has done pretty well. And we've seen a lot of lineups that look like, I don't know, cash plus like two or three different options. So... Just overview before we get into the stacks we like. Is is that is that going to be the approach from everybody and their mama? I mean, I think so. These two games we're going to talk about, Arizona, Seattle, Buffalo, KC. There's only three games in the late window, and those are two of them, and they're going to be extremely popular. So the tricky thing is, how do you handle it? And there's one of two ways I think you can go about this. You can go super contrarian early, pick two to three plays that are going to be less than 10%, and if they hit... You can stick with the chalk later in in the slate. If they don't, you got to get weird. Like you can't play Josh Allen, you can't play Diggs. You got to just get off the board. Or the other option is you can still play those games as a stack, but you got to get really different. You got to go, you know, MVS or Miko Hardman, like those sort of plays that don't feel good, but you know, there's high variance, and you just got to know like our opponents are going to play these games. It's just how do you handle it? Be very critical about how you think about that and. With your salaries and your setup, like leave yourself flexibility in the flex spot. You know, make sure you have a couple price point pivots that you can go to. So it's it's a really interesting slate for GPP players. Yeah, I, I think the context kind of escapes people a lot of times when they think about DFS. They look at who the best plays are and they just go, okay, well, let me just try to figure it out, have a good lineup. Like this is a game and the theory behind it is because everybody's in the afternoon, you can use that a couple different ways. So let's talk about these stacks. Stack attack. All right, the game that everybody is going to be talking about, Buffalo Bills at Kansas City Chiefs. Both both teams are 4 and 1. The line is Buffalo minus 2 and a half and the over under is 54 bets. I looked up every single game in Patrick Mahomes' career that he has started a game at home as an underdog. You want to hear all of them? Yeah, hit me. That's it. That's it. That's <laughs> the list. <laughs> that's what we've got here. I mean, this is a new territory, and I think the Bills are the better team. The line states that they're probably a four or five point, you know, they would be like at f- minus five if this was at Buffalo. What is your early take in terms of game flow and how we should look at this from a pace perspective? I mean, dude, when you look at this on paper, there's nothing negative you can say about it from a game script, from a flow perspective, from a pace perspective. I mean, we're talking about both teams that are tied for first in success rate on offense. Number one and number two in pass rate over expectation. Team implied totals are up there. Two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and for fantasy and weapons galore in this game. So truthfully, the only reason you are underweight this is game theory. That's literally it. And it could fail. You know, it could definitely could. But... I think most weeks, it's a great spot. So I'm going to have exposure to this, even if it's popular, no question about that. I usually play five to six GPP lineups somewhere in there. I might make two of them that don't have anyone in this game, just in case it does fail. But like I said, on paper, man, it looks incredible. I looked at that playoff game because that's the template I think everyone is going to be using. 
is the back and forth affair. 75% of the offensive plays, I went through the game log. You know, I was just really grinding the tape, really just, you know, going. I love 70, that. Chin, <laughs> chin strap buckled and everything. Oh, uh, yeah, in the, in the studio right here. 75% of the offensive plays in that game were in the hands of the quarterback, meaning it was a pass attempt or a quarterback rush. These teams don't run the ball, and we love it for fantasy. We just don't care because we're getting insane pass rate over expectation numbers. So we already talked about Josh Allen. I want to focus here on Patrick Mahomes, and I kind of want to sing his praises because he's dealing with, I would say, a lesser cast than what we've seen in the past. Nice, Kyle. Uh <laughs> It's he's not getting he doesn't have Tyree Kill and I looked this up. He has as many 20 plus yard pass plays this year as your boy Mitch Trubisky and your other boys Marcus Mariota and Jacoby Brissett. So you can what look at that you can look at that in a couple of ways as oh he's not as good as any as he is or used to be. But you could also flip that and say oh my gosh, maybe he's better because what he has to work with, he's just not throwing it as deep. So what's your take on Mahomes? from a football guy perspective, but also into DFS. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what you're talking about is is true. He's been incredible because of who he's playing with. Like, he's already great every year. You think about, we were just in the offseason of best ball, like, you know, trying to attach ourselves to Pat Mahomes. Is it going to be Juju that emerges? MVS with the long dot, all these things. It's not coming to fruition because he told us before the season started, I'm going to spread the ball around. And he's doing that, which makes it really tough for fantasy because he's been incredible his wide receivers have kind of been up and down and not really reliable. So it makes it very tough, I think, from a DFS perspective to stack him. But when you talk about Mahomes, he's been great. And, you know, he's 8K. He's $200 cheaper on DraftKings than than Josh Allen. And confidently, I think we can say Josh Allen is going to be more popular. So I don't mind in this game if you want to, you know, flip the build and go with a Mahomes stack and bring it back with a bill. That for sure will create some leverage on Josh Allen stacks. I like him on FanDuel at 8,600. I think because you're not looking at the bonuses, it's more touchdown dependent. I think Mahomes is is a great play there, and that's where I'll be stacking. The hard part is this Bills team is great on defense. They're number one in terms of explosive pass rate allowed. I need to find the explosive plays from the Kansas City side, and other than safely projecting Travis Kelsey, who's just good, I can't really do that with anyone. Juju looked like dust this past week. Like just... Dude, it's to, over. To the point where when he was lining up, I was like, does this guy even want to be out on the field at all? Like he did look disinterested. Yeah, he's been tough. And the volume has been there, right? Like eight targets in four of his five games. But like you're talking about, the deep targets are not there. So if he's not capitalizing on a lot of receptions because Travis Kelsey is taking everything and he's only catching three to five balls a game with no yards. It, he won't ever pay off in a GPP unless he scores a touchdown. So is he going to score? I don't know. He's not getting targets around the goal line. You know, I, I can't go there at 5.2. It's still a good price. If you think we're off in our take, you know, he's a great price as far as fitting in there. But to me, I just see zero upside with Juju in a GPP. I feel like I'm always going to, guess wrong about which Kansas City wide receiver. I could make a case for McCole Hardman. I could definitely make a case if I wanted to for MVS or Sky Moore or somebody else. It just feels so thin in a GPP. If you had to take a stab at one of them, what are you doing? Oh, man. Can I give a cop-out answer here and say Travis Kelsey? <laughs> Here's the thing. like I... I think you can mix in any of these guys if you want to. MBS had a nice game on Monday Night Football. 
we know the MVS story. You know, he'll blow up one week and then he'll be terrible the next week. He just, his role is so different from what we're used to. He isn't seeing any targets down the field. And I hate betting on double good games from MVS because of who he's been in his career. Michael Hardman, you know, 56% of the snaps were fewer in four or five games. He's a part-time player. It's such a tough sell. When I look at our roster percentage report, what I have right now for Travis Kelsey is 5%. If that holds, see what happens Saturday and Sunday, but if that holds, I'm just going to ignore the wide receivers and I'm going to play a few Kelsey lineups because he's 7,800 and no one's going to go there with Mark Andrews at seven and everyone wanted to pay down for the Higbees and Zach Ertz's of the world. So to me, I think it's a payoff to be contrarian spot. We just know like in crunch time, Kelsey's the dude and we saw it on Monday Night Football. He gets a ton of targets, you know, around the goal line. His 10 targets inside the 10 yard line is not just first among tight ends, it's first in football. So touchdown equity, targets, he beats up zone 2.5 yards per route run against zone. Bills play a ton of zone. It's just a Travis Kelsey game to me. I, I thought about coming on here and giving a hot take, but I'm in the same spot where it's probably going to be Kelsey. And I think CEH or McKinnon could be interesting in a large field. I mean, the, the, the tight end targets for Kansas City are just so clear. If there is a hole in the Buffalo defense, it is in the zone with the tight ends and the running backs. They give up the second highest target success rate to the running back position. So I think CH was running super hot the first couple of weeks to the point where it seemed like it was going to run out of steam and it did this past week. I don't know. I like McKinnon in, in a large field. I'm not saying it's a great median outcome, but you know, let's say McKinnon catches four or five balls. They're coming from behind. You get a touchdown and you're stacking with, with Kelsey. I don't mind that as like the double stack on the Mahomes side. And then you just pick somebody to bring it back with. Can we talk about Devin Singletary on the other side? Because I feel like this is setting up super well for him to be a good play. I am very excited about Devin Singletary this week. And that is not a sentence I ever say. So can't wait for him to come out for eight drafting points. <laughs> but on paper, it's a really nice spot for Devin Singletary. And, you know, if you want to get leverage on Josh Allen and Steph Diggs, to me, it is Devin Singletary in this spot. He's so cheap, 5,900 on DraftKings, 5,700 on FanDuel is a joke. He is so, so cheap. Per Dwayne McFarland, Singletary has a 76% snap rate when games are being played within one score. If we think this game is going to be very close, Devin Singletary should be on the field a ton. And what's nice about Devin Singletary is he's playing so much in the red zone. He's fifth in the league in red zone snap rate, over 80% in that situation. So when they're getting close inside the 20, Devin Singletary is there. He has that touchdown equity we look for because of that role. So I like it. And when you throw the you know matchup on paper too, like looking at what case he does against receiving backs, no defense has allowed more receptions or yards to running backs than Kansas City. So I am very interested in Devin Singletary this week in a GPP. I don't think I can play him in cash, but again, for leverage on Josh Allen, I love him this week. Yeah, I think he's an elite tournament play on FanDuel. And that's not a, a sentence we usually say about Devin Singletary, but when somebody's an elite tournament play, we're saying they're good for their price and what they can do is leverage. Now, I think people will be on to him. It's not it's not like no one's seen Devin Singletary be at, like really good. He was great the end of last year. But would you stack Allen, Singletary, and one other piece from the Buffalo side and bring it back with Kelsey? Yeah, I think you can. I think if that's a route you want to go, like to keep keep him in your Josh Allen stacks, I think it's totally fine. I also think you can play him as a one-off and... You know, if you want to get weird and say this game doesn't hit the over, players don't hit their expectation relative to price. You know, Kelsey's fine, but doesn't smash and that sort of thing. 
then you could just play Singletary and get out of there. And that's a really interesting way to get unique on the slate. Yeah. So everyone remembers the playoff game last year. That was in Arrowhead. These two teams also played last year in Arrowhead in week eight. And Kansas City had four turnovers. They didn't get there. They only scored 20 points. So there is a scenario that game hit the over was 38 to 20. But Kansas City's side actually failed and you didn't want them in your lineup. So keep that in mind. There are routes where this doesn't actually go over. And I looked at all the Mahomes games that he's played that had a 54 or higher over and only five of them hit the over. So it's it's not a guarantee. I just want people to realize that it's the best game of slate. We're saying to attack it, but it's not a guarantee this game completely hits the over. Any other takes about the Buffalo wide receivers, about higher handling McKenzie, who seems like he's going to be back, and Gabe Davis, two long bombs last week. Yeah, I think for McKenzie and Khalil Shakir, I feel like it's going to be kind of a rotating situation. We we need like one of those guys to just take the wide receiver three job, but I feel like it's kind of been back and forth with injury and guys in and out. You know, we had Crowder and McKenzie. Now it's Shakir and McKenzie. So I don't think you can go to either one. I mean, you can throw a dart if you want in a large field tournament, but it doesn't look great on paper. But yeah, Gabe Davis, I think a lot of his struggles were ankle related as far as the injury. We saw last week, it was the first week of full practices he's had since week one. And he went off, you know, he didn't see a lot of targets, but he saw the valuable targets that we like. So I think if you want to get off of Steph Diggs, you know, great leverage play, Gabriel Davis. On FanDuel, he's going to be a lot more popular at 6.9. On DraftKings, he's 6.5. If we didn't have that game from last week, I think a lot of people would be down on Gabe Davis. But now the narrative is we saw what he did last year in the playoffs. We saw what he did last week. And now he gets to play Kansas City again. So, you know, he's not sneaking up on anyone like he was last week. But oh, brother. Can I tell you what I have him right now in the roster percentage report? In, on DraftKings? Yes. I bet on DraftKings, I'm going to guess, he's under 5%. 2.4. Wow. Okay, if he's going to be we'll that... We'll see if it holds. We'll see if it holds. I could see it getting steamed up a little bit more. The price isn't, like, great for someone who's not a PPR guy. Like, you know, what... Three? No, he has to score touchdowns. Yeah. It was, that's why FanDuel, I think he's he's a lot better and why he's going to be steamed up more. Give me your Vegas take on this game. I think we get, you know, justice in the world for the overtime situation. I think the Bills pull it off. I'll take the Bills minus two and a half. I'll take the Bills minus two and a half as well. I think the defense is good. I think Kansas City was fortunate. They, I think they should have lost that game last week against Las Vegas. Yeah, probably. All right, let's do one more game in the afternoon. It is the Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks. Arizona is... Two and a half point road favorites, and this over under is at 50 and a half. I've seen it go up to 51 some places. It's weird looking at the team implied totals this week, and you see the Cardinals. Are they are they number two on the slate? Uh, I'd have to go back and look. I know they're higher than KC. They're at 26 and a half, and Kansas City's at uh, 25 and a half. The problem with the Cardinals is they don't want to show up in the first half, and then they're frantic in the second half. Now, if they do get the lead, they kind of like cruise into neutral and just say, hey, we just want to coast. We want to run the ball. They don't have the running back depth to be able to do it. So we love this game because we think this is a good setup for Kyler Murray and the fact that the Seattle defense is terrible. And I feel like every single week, that's what people are doing in DFS is asking the question, who are the Seahawks playing and attacking that way? So where do you want to start this game? Well, before we get into it, I did just look. They are second. Jeez. On the slate, not on the overall, like, you know, Monday night and 
and Sunday night games, but on the main slate, they have the second highest total. So I am bullish on the Cardinals this week. We know Eno Benjamin. We, we said play him in cash. You can still play him in GPP if you just want to get different elsewhere in your lineup. But I think when you look at this spot, like you said, we need we need Cliff Kingsbury to get out of the way and be pushed for Kyler to hit his ceiling. So I'm only going to be playing Cardinals in my lineup in tournaments if I have Seahawks on the other side. I love Kyler Murray this week. I feel like he's kind of just going overlooked. Everyone is either paying up for Josh Allen, which is obviously a good thing. <laughs> we think he's a great play. But paying up for Josh Allen or paying down for Geno. And you have Kyler just sitting there at 7,300. I think he's going to come in, you know, 3 to 5%. And Seattle, you know, either way you talk about them, whether it's the run defense, the pass defense, their pass rush, they're bottom five in like every metric on defense. And they have a good offense. So it's recipe for success for shootouts. And so I love Kyler in this spot. You know, Marquise Brown, another guy going overlooked in tournaments in the Ross percentage report. He is seeing so much volume. It is elite alpha wide receiver one usage. 12.3 targets over the last four games. I mean, that stack right there is going to go overlooked. I think it's a great, great spot to go to in this uh, in this slate. So is Kyler, and I know this information is in the DFS pass, but I wanted to give people a little preview of the roster percentage report, which goes live Friday afternoon. Is Kyler going to be half the roster percentage of Geno? Like, I, I bet, I'm not looking at it, you are. Is Geno going to be above 10%? Yeah, right now I've got him at 11. Okay. With that information, that tells me Kyler Murray is an elite GPP play. Because and I've yes, got Kyler at seven right now. With with the way that Gina's been playing, I can't poke any holes in what he's doing, but Kyler is a much better quarterback. He's more mobile, and hopefully he's pushed to be able to do that. So if you're stacking Kyler, are you just saying, I want a skinny stack, which I have a question about that later, but skinny stack just means you're picking one person to stack Kyler with. Is it Hollywood? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like we talked about, Rondale is a fine cash play. He could not be more of a fade for me in tournaments if he is going to come in around 20%. You talked about his role in the receiving game finally being a little bit more diverse and like getting down the field. And that was actually in week four with AJ Green out of the lineup. He was on the perimeter. Last week, we saw the same role we've always seen from Rondell Moore. He went back in the slot. He played uh, over 80% of his slaps in the slot. 2.3 ADOT. I can't do that in a tournament. No way. So I think for this one, you get off of that. Zach Ertz is fine. We talked about him on the Tuesday show. Like, you know what you're going to get, but there's no slate breaking upside with Zach Ertz. So for me, I'm hoping Kyler finally runs. I'm hoping he gets pushed, and I'm only stacking him with, with Hollywood, I think. If I have a game flow that projects Cardinals to once again, you know, fart around in the first half and then come back in the second, I, I'm interested in Ertz because that's how he does things is he racks up PPR stuff, and we know that Seattle is the worst defense against tight ends. Just they had that Hawkinson game that they were completely annihilated. Uh, last week, their points are kind of skewed, but it was Taysom Hill also throwing a touchdown to Adam Troutman and Kyle Pitts actually. Double tight had, ends. Yeah, I know. Kyle Pitts actually had 80 <laughs> plus yards against this team. So you know that there's Okay, a maybe we should play Zach Ertz then. I think he's, normally I would just be with you. Like, okay, he's old and dusted, but I think there's one more shot. Jason talked about it today on the main show. Like, we get the final clearance rack version of Zach Ertz before DeAndre Hopkins shows up and ruins everything. But on the Seattle side, we know Lockett's going to be super popular. We know Ken Walker is going to be super popular. How are you attacking their side? Yeah, they're going to be popular 
everywhere, basically. I mean, that's the tricky part. So you have a condensed offense, which is good because we know where the ball is going, but everyone is on them. You know, they're on Gino, they're on Ken Walker, they're on Lockett. I think the only real like good GPP play when you talk about just leverage and low roster percentage, and it's not like you can't play these guys in GPPs, just know they are going to be popular, is DK Metcalf. He's more expensive than Lockett by a lot. Um, on DraftKings, 6,800. Lockett is uh, 5,600. Over on Fandle, he's actually cheaper than Lockett, so that's interesting. But you know, you look at what Lockett's done, and everyone's been talking about that. DK Metcalf, very quietly, 37% air yard share is one of the best in football among wide receivers. He's averaging 10 yard targets per game over the last three. He also has seven red zone targets. Tyler Lockett has one. So if Lockett isn't catching a deep touchdown, chances are DK Metcalf is getting the touchdown. So I'm interested here. What are your thoughts on the Byron Murphy, like shadow corner wide receiver ones against Arizona situation? Because I asked a good friend of the show, Andy Holloway, perhaps you've heard of him, uh, who watches every Cardinals game. And I said, dude, is this real? And he's like, yeah, you know, Byron's been great. But he's not really shadowing as much as people think because he had the one shadow game against Devontae Adams. Can we fade that narrative? Are you scared of DK? Where are you at? I'm going to fade the narrative. One, I know I'm a contrarian personality. So when somebody presents me something, I immediately go, oh, I want to buck up against it. But looking into it, he doesn't shadow all the time. Wide receiver cornerback matchups are important. But because we live in a world where teams play so much more zone defense than ever before, it's telling me that if DK Metcalf is coming in, I don't know, 10%, like he's not going to be like five or anything, right? No, no, no. He's still going to be played, you know, but relative to Lockett, he's going to be half of it. With that information, I'm going to be playing DK Metcalf in tournaments. I'm still going to be playing Lockett too. And there are games where you could double stack and you could play both of them together. They're not, you know, they're not that negatively correlated. I think in the past we used to think it was one or the other, but Geno's seem to be able to support them. The thing that I'm worried about this game is the ancillary pieces that tend to pop up on Seattle's side, whether it's a Noah Fant or a Will Disley, because Arizona gives it up to the tight end position, the highest target percentage in the league to opposing tight ends, and they've had success with that. So I'm most worried that, let's say DK Metcalf goes 6 for 80 in a score. You'd be like, that's really good. That is maybe replaceable like somewhere else on this slate. So I need a monster game from Lockett or a monster game from Metcalf for them to really pay off. I probably won't be playing Geno Stacks, though. Just because Geno's going to be popular or you don't think there's enough upside? Geno's being popular and I just like Kyler way more. So if I had to pick between, I'm going to pick the Kyler side that's you know lesser and I'll play a chalky please like Lockett, but I'm getting the side of the stack that I think has more upside. I think Kyler just has way more upside than Geno. Yeah, I think that's true. And the same, I think, for Hollywood relative to these wide receivers. If we if we think Kyler has the game he does, it's not because it's, I should say, it's only because Hollywood has a great game, I think, right? So to me, that's the stack I would go to. Yeah. What we're saying is the two games that we highlighted today, there are so many different combinations within them with four quarterbacks we like and multiple pieces from each team. So uh, these are the games that people are going to be stacking. I wanted to give some other contrarian pieces. And we both, by the way, we both like the Cardinals minus two and a half, right? Yep. Okay. I have my under on my Cardinals. Uh, they're two and three right now. So I want them to lose. But I think for DFS purposes, I think they win this game. Give me some correlation plays you like in other games, which we won't fully get into. Yes. This is one I highlighted on the Tuesday show. I'm still very interested, especially in Justin Jefferson. 8,900. 
He's very expensive. So we need him to be the wide receiver one on the slate, probably for him to pay off. But he's leading the league in receiving. Miami ranks 30th in EPA in the secondary. They're 25th in explosive pass rate allowed and 32nd in DVOA. So it's a great spot for Justin Jefferson to explode, assuming he gets the targets and volume and assuming Skylar Thompson on the other side can actually keep up and push back and forth with this team. We saw them really fail against the Jets. So there is some risk in that. And so for that reason, I'm only playing Justin Jefferson if I pair him with one of Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddle. Fortunately, Tyree Kill is back in a full practice. That's good with the foot issue. So I'm pretty excited about this combination, whether it's Tyreek or Waddle. I think a little mini between those two is um is really intriguing, kind of in that kind of middle slate of like the 45-ish totals. I like that combination because the way that people are stacking their lineups, they're not going to have enough money left over to have a correlation of these two. So if you're going to go underweight on the Buffalo-Kansas City game, then you're going to use your salary to get elite wide receivers who we would say can go off. So I agree with that. I'll mention Debo and Drake London. Debo was almost the player that I included in our Slate Breakers segment coming up because I just think Debo is going to smash. I think he is set up for success against the Falcons. He leads the team in targets, catches, yards. He's the one that they look to. And the best part about Debo is I don't care what defense you throw at him. I don't care what cornerback. Nobody shadows Debo because he plays all over the map. And the worst part about the Falcons, being a Falcons fan, is one, we're terrible at tackling and we're terrible at getting running backs out of the backfield. That's what Debo is. So I think Debo is a great play on FanDuel. I will play him. I almost wanted to put him in my cash lineup because I think he's that good of a play. But if you want to play Debo and Drake London from that game or you know Jeff Wilson, Drake London, I think that's totally fine. Uh, that's a good one. But uh, give me one more and that'll kind of go into your slate breaker. Yeah, we'll just combine these two segments, which I don't know if you thought of a sponsor yet, but, but for this little mini, I like Mike Evans paired with George Pickens. And the reason is it's salary friendly. George Pickens is 4,600. Mike Evans is 7K. You can fit that decently. And for Pickens, it's all about just increasing opportunity and talent. Seven, eight, eight targets over the last three. And when you think about Tampa Bay, you know, we took an under on Najee's prop this week in the DFS pass just because efficiency concerns Tampa Bay not allowing a lot of production to running backs especially out of the backfield in the receiving game so if they're going to have to try to keep up with Tampa we think Tom Brady has success I think George Pickens is going to have to see volume in the spot so I like him in a GPP and then for Mike Evans oh baby this is a dream dream matchup against the Steelers giving up the most 20 plus yard receptions in the league exhibit a Gabe Davis last week and when you talk about you know touchdown upside it feels like you know, Evans is kind of one of those guys where he'll have like six for 50 and zero, and then he'll be fine for a week or two. And then all of a sudden two or three touchdowns and in GPPs we're chasing that. So give me Tampa Bay here, 26 point team implied total and give me Mike Evans at seven K the slate breaker this week. I love it. I, I, I think I'm mad at you for picking this first for having Mike Evans in there because he wasn't my cash lineup and Right now, it's between him or God when I'm trying to figure out what it is. But I figured out our sponsor for the week, and I don't know if this will hit with you. I, I'm worried. Who is it? Our sponsor. This just breaking news, by the way. Like this is a giant, giant sponsor that just came in. Breaking news. Our sponsor for our Slate Breakers segment this week is Moon Boots, which was easily one of the best '90s toys there was. You oh, know, I know Moon Boots. Okay, okay. Just I'm a, a little kid. older. 
It was either that or Ribbon Dancer, which was another 90s toy. But oh, uh, <laughs> not really for our demographic. I don't know why. No. But uh, no. <laughs> if you need slate-breaking moves, if you want to go to the moon this week, okay, it's Mark Andrews. And yes, sir. And at 7K, I think you're going to get Lamar Jackson at super low roster percentage. You're going to get Mark Andrews, somebody that people don't want to pay up because they're trying to get Kelsey or they're trying to basically get somewhere else and what they're stacking. He's seeing a 33% target share. 38% against man coverage. And the Giants run that at the fifth highest rate in the league. I'm really interested in playing Andrews. I could even see myself flexing Andrews if I wanted to because he's a wide receiver. And we could think about him that way. I think he has two touchdown upside. So Mark Andrews, Mike Evans are slate breakers of the week. I mean, people love this segment, right? Uh, Hopefully. Let us know if you do and we'll bring it back. All right, let's prop it like it's hot. Prop it like it's hot. Every week, Bets and I get to give one prop for you to be able to play, whether it's DraftKings, MGM, wherever you want to play. More of these are available in the DFS Pass as we get to give those and then give them exclusively to our DFS and Props Discord channel. Get to notify people when we get in a new prop. Bets, hit me with one. Yes, I'm going to go Tyler Algier, running back for the Falcons. I'm going to go under 48 and a half yards. This is on almost every book that is out there. San Francisco's matchup is brutal against the run. Number one rush defense DVOA. Number four in yards before contact allowed. Number four in the number of 10 plus yards they give up. Number two in adjusted line yards. And this is a full committee. The guys talked about it on the Thursday show. You're getting Caleb Huntley you know, getting uh, uh, rushing volume, getting Marcus Mariota to carry the football and Tyler Algier. So is he a guy that's going to come out and give you 20 carries? I'd be shocked. And so he has to hit efficiency to get over this. Last week, 13 rushes, 45 yards. Very, very difficult matchup. Give me the under, especially because they are underdogs in this spot. And I think they might have to throw the ball more, hopefully, maybe. Please, Kyle Pitts. Please, Drake London. Please, Arthur Smith. So give me the under on Algier. They're going to get destroyed by by the 49ers. This next prop, it pains me to continue to just fade this person in all formats. Like, you and I completely faded him in best ball. Like, I don't even know if I have one share of Najee Harris at all. He was in the bus section of our UDK, and we all love Najee. I loved him coming out of Alabama. It's just super fun. But things have been rough. We know that Jalen Warren has been getting more and more involved, and Pittsburgh is eight-and-a-half-point home dogs against a Tampa Bay run defense that's allowed the fewest running back receiving yards in the league, and they rank number one in DVOA against pass-catching running backs. We know that Najee Harris is at this point in his career, like we're only a couple years in, like it's inefficiency over and over and over again. It's the same story. So his prop is under 61.5 rushing and receiving yards, and I feel bad taking it, but it feels like a very good and safe bet because running backs aren't hitting this against Tampa Bay, right? No, and just to speak to Najee's efficiency, like last year, he was super inefficient. This year, three and a half yards per touch is atrocious. It was one of the easier unders that I've taken this year of his rushing yardage. Like it was up to near 1,200 yards, and that was just like super easy. I think that was one you and I had at the beginning of the year. All right, before we finish, let's get in a couple mailbag questions. Mailbag. Every week, we get to give a couple of different listeners a chance to ask us some questions, but I think 
and I may be wrong here, Bets, correct me. The best place for people to get their questions answered is in our Discord channel where people are hopping, they're active, and I think it's easy for us to actually keep pace with them as opposed to Twitter. But let's take this first one from the Discord channel from Daddy Moosh. Can you go into detail and give some examples of different ways to gain leverage? I'm learning more and more about so many of them that I've never thought of. For instance, the tight end opposite the chalk tight end, the defense against the chop running back. What are some more examples of ways to gain leverage? So I'll give a couple here, and then bets. you feel free to jump in. One we talk about all the time is running backs in the same game. So for instance, we know Ramondre is going to be 35 40% in tournaments, and really having cash and cash, don't think about leverage, all right, unless you're doing late swap. In a tournament, if you want to play the running backs on the other side, like Nick Chubb, who's the RB1, or Kareem Hunt, that is a massive way to gain leverage. Um, but that game kind of projects as they're going to run the ball no matter what, even if they're down by a ton. But running backs in the same game is one, especially if you have one that has a different game flow. You can also, instead of stacking the wide receiver one, just look at the tight end or the wide receiver two. They actually have pretty similar correlation, especially the wide receiver two. So instead of playing, you know, for years, it was like, instead of playing Keenan Allen, we're going to play Mike Williams because we know the correlation is just as good. But give a couple other for the people. Yeah, that's a great point when you talk about teammates and you know their opposition. You can also look at salary too. You know, price point pivots, I think is good. You look at, you know, plus two or $300 above a player or below. This week, we know Ramadre Stevenson is going to be the most popular play on the slate. We talked about Devin Singletary. He's only $100 cheaper, so he would be an appropriate price point pivot to gain leverage on everyone playing Ramadre Stevenson. Same thing with Brees Hall. He's $5,800. You can just change it up that way. Or the other thing that I like to do is just flip the build. So last week, the build was very obvious of a very balanced build in tournaments, and it hit. So if you would have done this last week, you would have lost. But you know, the, the point remains you can gain leverage if you just flip how everyone's else is building. So if everyone's building balance and you want to go stars and scrubs, you can get different that way. Other thing is like if everyone's trying to jam in the super cheap running backs on a slate, which they will on this one, you can go, okay, what if they fail? Give me two expensive running backs and I'll take cheaper wide receivers. Just a different way to build your roster. Yeah, I think that a lot of people try to get super cute, but it's just a simple game theory approach. So you mentioned Ramondre. Singletary, Brees, you know, those are the guys that I, I want to use in tournaments. We love them. We think they project really well. We just know roster percentage-wise they won't be as popular because when people go, it's just a psychological thing, right? When people go to that point in their app and they pick Ramondre, they're not as likely to go in the same exact spot uh, later on. So different ways to create leverage. Next question from Solzilla on Discord. On Wednesday's show, uh, Fantasy Footballers, during the redraft segment, the ballers discussed how the quarterback landscape appears to be getting super top-heavy. We used to be all about late-round quarterback right around here. We still are. We think that they're still valuable people. We still talk about streaming. His question is, I know each week is its own slate, but should we start prioritizing these types of quarterbacks in cash and GPP lineups? Bets, I'll let you answer. I think so. I mean, you're seeing it. We saw it last year. And we're seeing it even more this year. And I think this year might be a little bit of an outlier with just how obvious it's been. But I do think the point remains, they are going to separate. And, you know, that's why we talk about every week the same quarterbacks in cash. It's, you know, Allen, Lamar, Hurts, those sort of guys. And Mike, in that, you know, redraft segment where they redrafted if they were doing leagues today, 
took Josh Allen fifth overall. We would never have said that, you know, a month ago or two months ago because he's just been so incredible. And that's the reality of rushing quarterbacks that have the upside, you know, and we talked about it last week in the cash segment review for the Tuesday show. Like Tom Brady was great, but he'll never, ever give you a ceiling game that Josh Allen can give you. That's just the reality of the position. It's changing. And I think we should definitely adjust how we play in DFS. Yeah, each slate is different. So we got to consider who's on there. But, you know, you and I have had the same conversation about cash every single week. Play Hurts, play Josh Allen, play Lamar. Like that's that's where we're at because of the difference making they give you. And with Josh Allen, you're going to get probably the 300-yard bonus almost every single week. And then on top of that, you actually have a real threat at someone also getting the 100-yard bonus. So, And there's weeks that he's going to get 50 pass attempts, which is just insane to be able to say that you can get that from a quarterback. So he's underpriced. He should be 9,300, something like that. Yeah, and then probably. I would, and then I would actually consider like, okay, I go to Gino or go go to Kyler, but it's not that big of a deal to get up there with the value. Next question from Mike Ingenito: How do you guys split up your bankroll between double ups, fifty fifties, and head to heads? So I'm going to use the example of if you had a hundred dollars bets and you were using that just for cash. That's not talking about for GPPs, but if you're using a hundred dollars for cash, how would you split it up between double ups? 50-50s, which I kind of consider the same thing, and uh, head-to-heads. Yeah, double-ups and 50-50s on DraftKings especially are the same thing, so we'll talk about that as like one category. I would truthfully just do 50 and you know 50-50, split it up with half of your you know bankroll going to head-to-heads and half of them also going to 50-50s. That's how I would do it. Yeah, and make sure, this is something that we explain to people that are new, but when you go into the lobby, set up your own head-to-heads, Okay. The majority of people are just going to go in there and say, hey, I want to play a dollar head-to-head or I want to play a $25 head-to-head. And they're just going to find somebody else and you get to make sure that you set your zone up so people can come to you. You also need to make sure that you make sure you click the box where it says limit to only one opponent or else you will get a shark to come in there and bully you and say, hey, I want to just play this person for all their head-to-heads. But I'm pretty much the same way as well. Next question from Joby on Discord. For a beginner, could you explain some terminology and theory behind game stacking? For instance, stacking versus a skinny stack. What is a bring back and why may you want it? I feel like we're going to need like an article that goes back to some DFS 101. I know we have a ton of content out there, but I feel like a lot of people coming in need to just have these terms defined. Yeah, and I actually put out in August kind of a like little cheat sheet about... Um you know, a list that you could use to create a DFS lineup. And in it, it talks about stacking and what a bring back is and why you do it. But the the kind of rationale for it is, you know, in these tournaments that you're trying to win, you know, get in the top 10, it only happens if you have a ceiling performance. And the idea is, let's say you play Josh Allen this week. If he goes off and has a ceiling performance, there's a very, very, very good chance one of his wide receivers also has an awesome week. So you would stack him up to get all of that upside. And double stack just means that you refer to one quarterback plus two pass catchers. We generally recommend doing that for the quarterbacks that are not going to run the football because when they're not running, the only way they get access to fantasy ceiling is through a huge yardage day. So you could see Tom Brady going nuts for over 350 yards and three touchdowns. It's not all going to go to Mike Evans. It could be Mike Evans and Godwin, that sort of scenario. So pocket passers, we double stack. And then a bring back just means you're playing someone on the other side. Last year, I think was a perfect example. We needed Joe Burrow to get pushed to have these huge you know, in season long leagues, winning performances in the fantasy playoffs, 
he probably wouldn't get there unless someone else on the other team helped him kind of push to get there. So when you're thinking about a bring back, you're just picking someone on the uh, the opposing team. So this week, if you're playing Buffalo, if you're playing Josh Allen and Steph Diggs, an appropriate bring back would be Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Clyde Edwards-Alaire, for example. Now, if you need a really good article on the site, there's one called DFS Strategy and the Thinking Behind It. The author said some great things. You can find that on the website. Um couple more here from Brandon Brown. You guys talk a lot about neutral situation pace. What is considered neutral situation and how often are teams actually in neutral situation game scripts? All right. So usually we're talking within one score, one way or the other. And most teams are kind of in that 60% range. Um, maybe some are up even more if they're just in a lot of close games. Like the Vikings last year, remember how they had like their first 14 or 15 games were all like one score games. Like, there are some teams like the Lions where they will just give you a heart attack. If you're a fan of the Lions, uh, I'm sorry because you score a lot of points, but your defense stinks. It's just a lot of up and down. Let me give you in a really extreme case because you might say to yourself, like, I don't know how much can we actually understand how much teams are in neutral situation paces. Let's take the Bills. They are 4-1, and one, and I think – What's your take so far from the Bills offense? Has it been good, mediocre, or bad bets? Unfreaking believable. It's a dream. <laughs> it is a dream for fantasy. It is what we want. And in your mind, you can think like, wow, they put up points. Let me give you some examples. The, week one against the Rams. Do you remember that game at all, Bets? That first game of the year. What they do against the Rams? Uh, they went absolutely nuclear and the demise of Allen Robinson started. That game, yeah, it felt like they were just throttling. They were within one score until midway through the fourth quarter of that game. And then it got really out of hand and Stafford, you know, kind of imploded. What about week two against Tennessee? Do you remember that game? It was, it was a Monday night game. I mean, I think they just went crazy on it because a lot of the backups played for Tennessee, didn't they? Yeah, they won 41 to seven, but until halftime, it was within one score. Okay, so you got half of the game of a blowout where it was within neutral situation. What about against Miami? That was an awesome game. That one I don't recall. Okay. The entire game was in neutral neutral game skip. So you're getting a ton of a game where you get to see what does this team do. What about against Baltimore? Mm, also don't remember. That's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving what, – what I'm trying to tell people is that we love Buffalo's offense, but each week we kind of just think, oh, they're awesome, and they blew people out. It was never a neutral game script. They were down by two scores in the second quarter, and they had to come back. You remember like – Baltimore didn't score in the second half. So that game was almost all a neutral game so it, or they were negative. And then last week we saw an extreme example where it was against Pittsburgh and they blew them out from the very beginning of the game. And you didn't want any part of the Pittsburgh game. So my point in all of this is saying we care about neutral game scripts because that's what a majority of games are. And it gives us a detail of this is what these teams want to do. So that is my TED Talk for the day. I think you summed it up perfectly. All right, two more questions here. One from Alterarity. Oh, no. Alterarity? Oh, how do I say this? Alterity? Alterity. Dang it, that's way better. It's a great question. What is your favorite DFS memory of all time? Bets, do you have one? Oh, this is easy. And this is a perfect time to talk about this because my best week ever was the Gabe Davis four touchdown, 200 yard performance against these Chiefs. So I have a soft spot in my heart for Gabe Davis and what he did for me. Just an incredible day of football, incredible you know results, obviously, with DFS and everything, and just what an un- unreal game that was. That Sunday was just so fun in the playoffs. 
right, I'll give you a couple old memories and one that's that's recent. I remember creating a lineup with Josh McCown. He was a Browns quarterback. This is way back, it was like 2015. And he threw for 450 plus in that game. And he was dirt cheap. And I just felt like the smartest person. I'm the smartest man alive. Um, <laughs> and then another one I've referenced before is JJ Nelson, who's like maybe 110 pounds is what he looks like on the field. Uh, had a monster game for the Cardinals. I think he had two touchdowns. That won me a tournament. And then this is one I remember you and I going crazy for two years ago. It was that Buffalo-Arizona game. And I remember it because I was sitting in first of a tournament. And I just felt like like I had just played this perfectly. It was the last game. I felt so good. And I dropped down a couple of spots because of that Hopkins Hail Mary from Kyler Murray when he caught that in the end zone. Like, that swung me a couple thousand dollars. In, in the, the wrong, wrong direction. In the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you're listing, listing as your favorite memory then. I just remember I was so excited. That game was awesome back and forth. And then, uh, yeah, it kind of ended it right there. But who cares? Still cool. It was a cool moment. Uh, last one from Dob88 on Discord. Do you typically see more success with optimizers or with handpicking lineups, especially in if you're entering into huge tournaments? Yeah, so the tricky thing with optimizers is that you have to be really skilled with using them. And it sounds really silly because it's like, oh, you just click a few buttons and it just prints out the winning lineup for you. But you have to set rules and exposures and all these sort of things. So if you're not familiar with it and you just go in blindly and start messing around, there's a good chance you're not going to be successful. And for me personally, I'm not a great optimizer MME type of player. I know that about guy. myself. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I don't do it a lot. And I, I know it's a weakness for me. So Personally, I've had more success with hand builds. Doesn't mean I don't use optimizers to kind of help me figure out what the optimal lineup is showing, kind of what the field is going to do. But as far as running a full MME set, it's not my strength. Yes, I think people are grossly misinformed of what an optimizer is. I get tons of questions from people that thinks it's just supposed to spit out what I should be doing. And optimizers are basically taking the salaries and they're doing points per dollar calculations and then they are giving you a lineup that they would say, here's what can give you the optimal amount of point projections based on what's what it's feeding. But you're not actually setting up the rules. You're not setting up any of those things that I would think are super important. Like, are you Xing out players from the system? Are you setting rules that say, hey, in the flex, I don't want a tight end in my flex. Like, I want a wide receiver for tournaments. Uh, are you boosting certain players? Are you setting exposure rates? Like, those are so many things that if you don't take the time to, to do that, it's just going to spit out something right away. I have so many people and so many questions about that. So I like optimizers to tell me what the field might do. But personally, I found myself going further and further away from them because I find that getting a feel for the slate and just looking at roster percentages gives you so much more of the information than almost anybody else in the rest of the field. So if I know Ramondre Stevenson's super uh, popular this week, you and I have a ton more information than I would say so many people that are just playing this week and go, I want to play this player. So we like hand building. We have an optimizer, but I personally like hand building more than anything else. And I think that's how people learn the game best and how to play long-term than just getting a program that you think will just win a GPP for you. I've never won a tournament based on an optimizer. I'm assuming you too. Nope. All my best weeks have been hand builds. Team hand build, um, if, if you're part of that squad. If you want to play with us, you can go to ballersdfs.com. It will direct you to our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS, Borg Plus Bets. 
I just opened up a Thursday night extravaganza contest for tonight's game. We're recording this on Thursday, and which means Friday you and I are just going to be filthy, filthy rich because of Darnell Mooney. Oh, that's a weird way to spell Terry McLaurin, Kyle. Man, I hope Darnell Mooney goes off. That's what I... It, give I me mean, the leverage. we'll see what happens on Friday when people listen to this, but it's a Darnell Mooney spot. Washington secondary is terrible, so we'll see. Maybe they'll let Fields throw more than 20 times a game. That would be super great. Let Make sure, if you want to go in there, we have some contests, including a 600-person contest, but go to ballersdfs.com and enter in those right now. Bets, it's going to be a great weekend. Braves on Friday, going to smoke you. Oh, dude, what a weekend. We got Phillies baseball. We got Eagles on Sunday Night Football. We got a great main slate. It should be a ton of fun. Enjoy Bills and Chiefs. Super interesting slate. Get in the DFS pass. Let's win some money this weekend, Kyle. What do you say? Let's do it. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.